0: Welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist. I'm your host, Zach Geist. This show is made possible by Student Loan Tutor, which you can find at studentloantutor.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment and give us a review. Thank you. Welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist, and today I've got. Uh, my partner Madeline with me, and then I've got Michelle Sorensen, who I came into contact with because so many people in the dance community have taken her twerk shops. And I'm like, oh, what kind of workshops? And they said, well, no, no, twerk shops. And I'm like, twerk shops? And uh, Michelle owns a dance studio here in Utah. I believe in Bountiful, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she teaches many different types of dance dance, uh, and all, uh, maybe not the type of dance you're most familiar with and has had some amazing liberating experiences happen with women uh, and men, but a lot, mostly women that uh, participate in these workshops, one of which is twerk shops. Do you want to tell us about what you do and who you are?
1: Sure. Um, I actually started belly dancing 13 years ago, and that was my first experience with dance ever. I hadn't taken any dance any dance classes prior to that because it just was never something I thought that I would be able to do. Um, just looking at it because I grew up and I was kind of awkward. I was never athletic. And I found belly dance in Salt Lake City when my husband and I got married and moved there. And there was just a big festival that would happen every summer. It's actually back now Mm -hmm. um, and it's in Liberty Park again, which is so fun. But it went away for a really long time. Um, But when I found it, I was like, I saw these women on stage and where I felt it when I was watching these women dance was in my gut, which is very fitting, like watching belly dance. Mm. I felt it in my gut and I saw it and I was like, I think that's something I could do. There was a power about it that just was really enticing to me and since i grew up very religious and very conservative mm-hmm. it was that was another reason that it was mm-hmm. i was drawn to that and so i started classes that fall right mm-hmm. after i had seen the belly dance festival and that was primarily what i did for a really long time i didn't start cross training until maybe 7 years ago
0: what do you mean by cross training what does cross training mean just
1: like exploring other genres of dance okay belly dance was kind of my thing that's like what I stuck with and then I started getting burned out with it and I needed something else to feed me creatively so I tried out a pole dance class Mm. and that was seven years ago and I've been doing pole for seven years and it started out as a pole fitness exploration and I didn't really want to be attached to the sexual stigma around pole dance. So I avoided any kind of exotic classes. And I was very adamant that I made sure people knew that I was in it for the fitness, you Mm. know, because it just (laughs) was not something that I could relate to. I I wasn't really in that world growing up. And so I had all these preconceived ideas about what sex work was like, like what strippers were like, what exotic dance was like. And I was afraid of it because I didn't know anything about it and it was probably four years ago that I took my first exotic pole class Mm. and Mm. it changed it literally changed my life like I walked out of that room feeling more like myself than I had ever felt in my entire life and it there was something about it that was so liberating and so freeing and to be able to embrace my sensuality and my sexuality doing that was just incredible. And that's around the same time that I started working with twerk and Mm. stuff too, because I had taken a dance hall class and then that really inspired me to look into twerk and to start working on that. So it was around the same time Mm. when I kind of like found my sensuality, like the way that I really wanted to express it.
0: Gosh, there's such a (laughs) there's such a smorgasbord of movement patterns that could happen with dance. And oftentimes people get trapped within the confines of choreography or they get trapped within the identity of whatever type of dance. They, I hear this all the time, because we run ecstatic dance, which when you're talking to people about dance, you're like, what kind of dance? We're like, well, we do something called ecstatic dance. Uh, they automatically hear erotic or exotic dance. They're like, exotic dancing? And we're like, especially in Utah. We almost <laughs> right. went with a different name uh, just because that's people go to that specific mindset and then think that they have an idea of what that is. Uh, And they also think that it's somehow bad or sinful or whatever, whatever else. And it blocks off so many different movement patterns. And as those movement patterns are blocked off, different archetypical psychological patterns are blocked off. And as those things are blocked off, healing that's wanting to happen is also blocked off and we become limited, restricted human beings. And uh, that's really why I wanted to have you on here um, is because so many of the women that I've met that have taken your your twerk shop classes and people that twerk in general, I see that they have, and I've seen this in Madeline as well, that they feel way more liberated in their bodies. (laughs) And at the same time, you've told me that uh, some women that come to your classes uh, initially, especially the uh, exotic dancing classes, have a lot of judgment around other women. You shared that with me on the phone. We talked for, I don't know, 45 minutes probably to prepare for this. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, it kind of goes back to, how I didn't want to be related to any kind of like exotic pole when I started doing pole fitness is because I was afraid of it because I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And what were you afraid of? I I was afraid of judgment mm-hmm. from other people because I had seen women who were sex workers and who were strippers be judged mm-hmm. very heavily by mainstream society. And so I really didn't want that to kind of fall onto me. And as a belly dancer for my career, that was another thing that I kind of was afraid of, was that I would be shunned in the belly dance community Mm -hmm. for participating in these other dance styles.
0: Get the scarlet letter, so to speak. Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And belly dancers in particular tend to be a very, very judgmental crowd. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it, Mm -hmm. but it's true. Um, and, there's a lot of slut shaming that happens in belly dance. And I was very afraid of that affecting my career as a belly dancer. So that's why I didn't participate in it for so long. And then finally I was like, you know what? I'm doing this for me. It doesn't matter. I'm just not going to share it publicly. I'll just mm-hmm. attend classes privately. And the first time I posted a video of me doing a pole routine, I had, my daughter was in it. She was like climbing on... Um, Some stall bars that we had installed in the room where I Mm -hmm. had my pole and I got heavily slut shamed on the Internet Mm. for Mm. posting that not only because I was doing something that was very sensual and or sexual, but because my child was in the room with me. Mm. And that was a really interesting turning point for me, too, because as a mother, I was automatically labeled as not being allowed to share my sexuality or sensuality because I I had Mm. children. Mm. So I no longer was allowed to be that person or have that experience as a woman, which was really interesting to see those comments come. So I think a lot of people are afraid of that kind of judgment. So they either won't participate or they they don't post it if they do. Like a lot of my friends will keep things private. Mm -hmm. They won't post Mm -hmm. them publicly. And
0: it's I think a lot of it comes down to <laughs> as well, like where you do it. So something that I've yeah. noticed is I feel really comfortable being free and dancing um, at Ecstatic Dance, especially ours. Ours is held in a temple. Uh, it doesn't get much more sacred than that. And uh, and I think exotic dancing a lot of times is uh, relegated to just being in a strip club with right. like a bunch of drunk people that are then, you know, objectifying you like, right. you know, and there's a drug culture that's intermixed in there but I think all of those are symptoms of the fact that people are blocking their sexual impulses and their sensuality in all other areas of their life to where they feel like they have to go and come to this dark dingy place with no windows you know they always have no windows I, yeah. I've noticed you know you come <laughs> by it's like wild orchid and there's no uh there's no windows on the on the uh on the outside
1: people like to keep it secret yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and I think uh I think what women and human beings in general are craving is to be able to more Im- to embody their uh what word am I looking for to embody their eroticism I think you know mm-hmm. their eros you know um yeah the
2: seductress yeah. yeah the kind of vixen mentality it's like an archetypical typical figure
0: And women get, I think it's different for men, although that's starting to change too, where men are getting shamed for being sexual. That's all, that's now starting to happen Mm -hmm. where like, you know, the man is considered a predator if they're interested in sex or all they're interested in is sex. So a lot of men are disowning their eros as well. So, uh, and I think maybe even women are starting to, you know, maybe step more into this, it's almost like it's happening in the different, from what I'm noticing is it's, Women are stepping more into it and there's probably a lot of this shaming going on and men are getting afraid, especially the sensitive men are getting afraid to really be there. They might have always been afraid to be mm. there. But uh, hmm. yeah, there is that dichotomy and I'm just kind of seeing that right now as we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. So Madeline, what questions do you have for Michelle or directions? Because I feel like yeah, this has been an interest of yours for some time. I, uh, there's a funny thing that Katie had shared with us. She goes, trying to show Madeline how to move her body like that. <laughs> and uh, and she goes, just pretend you have balls and you're shaking your lady yes! balls. And, <laughs> and I can't ever get that out of my head. So now anytime I see a girl twerk, I'm picturing shaking the lady balls. It throws this very nope. weird mindset. It's Absolutely a very strange the visual. the analogy that I use <laughs> yeah. to
1: help women try to picture how to move their pelvis. Because I yeah. feel like men already naturally kind of know how to do it, like, yeah. just based mm-hmm. on, like, sexual tendencies. Except for
0: it hurts us when we do that, <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: but, but it's funny because when I tell a woman to pretend she has a penis and mm-hmm. balls and mm-hmm. to pretend to swing her penis through her legs, mm-hmm. she immediately gets it. Like, they, mm-hmm. it just happens. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny that I have to use an analogy like of being a man yeah. like, to get a woman to be able to move her pel-
2: pelvis. But right. It totally to move works. that sexually, too. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, like, a very sexual movement. It's a thrusting yeah. movement. It mm-hmm. absolutely is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, <laughs> also a relaxed state to it too. Yes. I've noticed that, um, as moving into this realm of dance, um, I started on the opposite side in the world of total free dance. I never took any dance classes or any structured dance classes at all in school or whatever, and then found ecstatic dance years ago and have been dancing ever since twice a week or more. And in that time, realizing there's so many stuck places, um, and I would say especially around the hips and pelvis Mm. and sexual organs and actual true tension within there that I feel was manifested over time um, through sexual shaming, uh, fear of being a sexual person, a kind of, I call it my seductress is kind of locked in a cage in my lower pelvis and I can feel her and Uh, As she starts to come out through different movements and through different ways of dancing, there's a lot of emotions associated with it. And so I was wondering if maybe you could speak to what you see in the dance room, because it's not just only playful sexual dancing it's also a space for mostly women to release a lot of our sexual traumas or maybe even things that have been passed down from past generations of our mothers and grandmothers who were even more uh, sexually repressed than we are today so maybe you could speak to that a little bit
1: yeah absolutely there's definitely a fear that I notice in a lot of women, women in particular, who have not had a lot of dance uh, background, mm-hmm. who will come in and they they feel ashamed while in class. And it's not because of anything that I am saying or doing. But you can just see that they're afraid, and they're mm-hmm. they're ashamed of like moving their body in that way. And so it takes them a while to get it unstuck. But the really interesting thing is when I notice when women keep returning and coming back, even though it is it is emotionally painful sometimes for them to go through those those memories or those blocks, those emotional, mm-hmm. sexual energetic blocks, um, they keep coming back and they work through them, and magical things start to happen. So, there are a few girls in particular that I have in my head, mm. um, but one of them has actually lost a ton of weight just from doing dance classes. She feels so much more confident in her body. She would never wear shorts. Mm. Never. She like, The first class she came to, she was in leggings. Like, mm-hmm. she would not wear shorts in my class. And then she did a performance after, like, six months of dancing with me in complete booty shorts, like, ass mm. hanging out. <laughs> and she was totally confident. And it's so cool to see like a woman really embrace herself and her her body hadn't necessarily even changed by that mm. point you know mm-hmm. but she had learned to love the skin that she was in mm. and really appreciate what her body could then do because she mm-hmm. had gained so much more movement through her pelvis and through her mm-hmm. torso and and so much more confidence just in the way that she would hold herself
0: mm-hmm. i think that something like learning to twerk and getting that level of confidence is so much more important than somebody trying to force diet to get their body to where they think that they want it. I don't Mm -hmm. think it really works. It comes with so much mental tension and like willpower that you have to so much of your resources go into just maintaining that crazy ritual Mm -hmm. and uh, instead to go the path of. You I mean, I think this is like more of a tantric path, go towards that sensation and be with that discomfort in that class in a safe environment. Right. You know, go somewhere safe. Don't maybe probably not a great idea to go to the local nightclub where everybody's <laughs> drunk and do that. Although maybe that maybe that would work for some people. But I would recommend for me personally dancing in a safe place. I want to speak to how I got involved with dance to begin with, too, because I wasn't you know, quote, unquote, a dancer either. And I think a lot of people feel like they have to be a dancer. You know, they're like, oh, I'm not a dancer. Like, what the hell do you mean you're not a dancer? Like, you Are you a peer? Are you an eater? Like, like <laughs> dancing is something, it's part of the human experience. As a matter of fact, if you look anthropologically, uh, there's there's theories that what made Homo sapiens essentially the, mo- the, the last homogenesis species that's alive instead of the Homo neanderthalus and Homo erectus that were alive at the same time, is that their ability to keep together in time using dance and drill, mm-hmm. and that's how like weaker, smaller, uh, home, you know, homogenous species were able to, you know, fend off and protect themselves and even maybe even kill the other species was mm-hmm. through dance. So it's not like I hear men sometimes, oh, dancing is so feminine. And I'm like, well, actually, like dancing is like how the Spartans like defeated a million Persians, you know. So like, I guess if that's real feminine, then yeah, it's <laughs> pretty feminine. Uh, they also fought naked, you know, um, and then from a, from this from this other standpoint uh, of dance, for me, I remember taking a dance class when I was really young, and the reason that I wanted to take it is I it just looked exuberant. I liked Michael Jackson. I thought he was really cool. He would dance, and I'm like, I don't know, I was like 10 or 11, and I'm like, I want to take dance class. I didn't know what kind. I was like, maybe hip-hop, you know, and I remember taking one dance class. I loved it, and I came home all excited and exuberant, and like, I remember— People in my general surroundings going like you faggot and da 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 like and I never went back and I never danced again unless I was really drinking and then I just kind of like bobbed or grinded or whatever. it had to look like I was having sex with my clothes on, and then it was like okay if I had like this cool look on my face. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, I mean, sadly, like I liked that just because like at least I got some type of movement with music, but it was really restricted. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing about something uh, called uh, soul motion. This was maybe six years ago. And I went to this soul motion. I was in this place. I wasn't like seeking this out. I was in a place where I was so stuck in my life where I was like, well, I'll just, I'll try anything. I don't give a shit, you know? And so some, some woman that was a stranger invited me to a soul motion class. And here I am in this soul motion class and they're, you know, it's facilitated and they're, you know, they're saying like, you know, put your arms in the air like you're a tree and move your fingers like you're, you know, the leaves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is this is easy to do. I could totally move my hands and body like this. And I was really buff and muscular at the time. And uh, I go to do it and I find that I can't do it. My body will not move like this. And I'm like, what the? well, and then I start asking myself, how do I get myself to move like this? And I start like kind of looking at someone else and trying to do it. And the minute I start to move in like a more fluid way, a voice in my head goes, don't move like that, you little faggot. You're going to get your ass kicked. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell is going on? And some, and thankfully, it was the right time for me to really ha- hear that. And I'm like, these are these conditioning programs mm-hmm. that are blocking me in, frozen in my body. And I would have nightmares about getting like locked in syndrome, uh, which is a, a disease where you can't move. And I think it was the beginning stages of me feeling terrified because i was becoming more and more restricted and i think with women Mm -hmm. it's this area of the hips where you know don't move like that you know you're gonna be turning guys on or you're you know i i don't know what it may be you know someone in the family might look at you some way and something just snaps and you never you decide i just don't move like that anymore Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i wanted to share that experience about how powerful dance was and liberating. It was not just like to go out and quote, unquote, have fun, although that was awesome too, but like learning that there was so much blocked and by moving, I could actually unblock things emotionally and things mentally and the way I view the world Mm -hmm. and interact with people, which is something I couldn't have possibly planned, nor did I go in there with that intention. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I think I want to relate that back to Michelle saying how your life changed after really doing, I I mean, so many of these different stages of the belly dance and then the twerk and erotic dances later, and introducing and having a studio here in a city where there's a lot of sexual repression and shaming with the Mormon church being the predominant culture. But I grew up non-Mormon, but kind of in a Catholic community here in Salt Lake even, and definitely noticed there is a... A lack of sexual expression in those communities, and a lack of an ability to talk about sexuality. So maybe you could speak to um, how it's affected you, your family, or whatever y- you see in this in this world of Salt Lake City that we're in.
1: Um, I think firstly, it's kind of been a safe haven for women. Mm. And women in particular who maybe do come from that conservative or religious background. I know when I I actually grew up Mormon mm-hmm. and I was Mormon for a good chunk of my adult life as mm-hmm. well. And my husband is still very much active in the church. Mm-hmm. So that's just another interesting thing mm-hmm. um, in my life. Wow. And it was pretty difficult for a while for us to figure out the how we were gonna work that out in our marriage, <laughs> but it's worked out great. Like he's super supportive cool. of what I wanna do and everything in my life and I'm mm. supportive of him and it's, but it's definitely been a challenge. But mm. um, the studio has been a really awesome place for people who maybe are kind of lost, like after leaving a religious situation and they don't really know like mm-hmm. how to go about their lives like at that point, because maybe it was such a huge part of their life. and. Mm-hmm. So or maybe they experienced something traumatic and then they found the studio and they're like, I'm doing this for me. Like, I'm going to reclaim my sexuality or I'm going to do this or that. And I've noticed a a lot of women actually have had the courage to leave abusive situations after coming and Mm. working on themselves and their emotions and Mm. their their physical form. Like they just feel stronger and it has given them power to Mm -hmm. really take control of their lives like in every area which is amazing Hmm. so I've noticed a lot of that a lot of leaving of abusive situations a lot of like dumping of the boyfriend who's a shithead you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really great it's really great to see that as a side effect of women just coming to have fun you know Mm -hmm. and I I did feel like quite a bit of kick back the first time I opened a studio in Bountiful like I brought flyers around like to the local businesses and they're like yeah we'll totally share this and then I went back to the business like a week later and there was like no there were no business cards No. yeah flyers. maybe
0: everybody like, they gave them all out I know? don't think so I don't think so
1: like they had taken it down and like because mm-hmm. I gave them a lot of business cards and I'm like there's no way and like people were not coming into the studio and honestly most of my students are from Salt Lake even though I have a studio in Bountiful
0: Second location. I know. I know. I feel <laughs> like, well, I
1: was not Salt Lake at one point, but mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's been kind of interesting, like, having the studio in a more conservative area mm-hmm. um, to see what people think of that. And a lot of people will actually, like say what they what they want it to be. So like if they ask me what I do and I tell them what I do, I, the first thing yeah. I always mention is belly dance and they're always like, "Oh, ballet." I'm like, "No." <laughs> no, like they're hearing what they want to hear yeah. instead of what it actually is. <laughs> because I'm not like enunciating improperly. Like yeah. <laughs> so funny. Ballet yeah. for
2: kids. Okay, great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. No.
1: No. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting to see people's reactions. Mm.
0: And that's the test one. That's the one you just throw out there. In the that's the, the, test mm. one. the and, then, and then seeing how they
1: react, then I'll kind of yeah. elaborate on what else I do. But mm.
2: yeah. I've noticed a lot in uh, in leaving Salt Lake and coming back and just being in this Utah environment and then also studying a lot of these um, kind of psychology and mythological archetypes. Um, and the for women, this kind of three-part story of our lives of the maiden moving into the queen into the wise elder um why am i forgetting the word zach Wise crone. elder, crone. crone thank you <laughs> the crone <laughs> it's the time for her right now so mm-hmm. i've noticed that a lot of women even sometimes in their 60s and 70s can still have this kind of maiden identity um it's almost praised and and really like supported by our culture to say, stay like as this young woman and very naive and not really having a loud voice or a place of leadership. And so as you're speaking about this, I'm wondering in some ways, as we do this healing, especially around our lower belly, sexual organs, pelvis, places that we can stay stuck, at what level are we stepping into that queenship in a way? And even in just our own lives, whether that's in a place of leadership, And being able to reclaim our ability for choice, Um, because it's actually pretty revolutionary in our time that women have such a choice and voice in the way that we do right now. And I think there's a huge shifting in our culture where women and men are almost becoming equals in the world uh, to some degree. I mean, of course, we're very different. Uh, And so, yeah, maybe we could speak to that, the maiden into the queen.
0: Are you familiar with this? Does this resonate with you? The
2: the maiden, mother, crone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. She just rolls it out. <laughs> right. There. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um When I first started posting things w- after I was diving into like the exotic dancing and the twerk, mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of kickback like Mm -hmm. on social media of people being like oh that's you're you're a slut you're a whore you're Mm. a cam girl like whatever like Mm. and then when i started posting more and like really owning it and and taking control of my voice i got less of that Mm. so the more i posted the less kickback i got and i think it's just because people saw that i was not gonna take their shaming comments Mm -hmm. and go cry in a corner You know, like they're like, oh, fuck, like this girl really is just like owning her sexuality. Like there's nothing we can say that's going to deter her from doing this. Hmm. And I think that that's one reason why a lot of women are afraid um, to jump into like sharing more of their opinion and sharing more of their sensuality and sexualities. They're afraid of the kickback. But what I've noticed is that there's less when you actually start owning Mm
2: -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. When
1: you're kind of, like, pitter-pattering around it Mm -hmm. and, like, maybe, like, putting a little bit out there, like, people are going to shut it down because society is afraid of women who are woke, essentially. Well, it helps
0: to have community. Mm -hmm. When you did this, you were kind of solo a little bit, it sounded like. Whereas a lot of the women that come and work with you, like... There's other women. It's the the idea that Rupert Sheldrake talks about the theory of morphic resonance. As one person does something, it becomes easier for the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth. And right. when that field, that morphic field, begins to increase, it becomes very easy. And uh, it takes those for those people to really go out on a limb. At the beginning, you're doubting yourself. Like here I am in Utah, and everyone's mm-hmm. throwing away my cards. And you know I was doing belly dancing, and now I'm going. Like I already left. I don't know if you left the church by that point, but you know, I'm already kind of in this weird place with just the belly dancing. Now I'm going to go into this, you know, twerk or exotic dancing. And now like the belly dancers are going to like disown me now too. (laughs) And then now I'm posting about it. Now, like all my followings, just maybe they'll get a bunch of one-star reviews, you know, and then nobody will come to my studio. Then I'll be out of business and I won't be able to go backwards, you know, like I I can't reverse in time. And there's this, there's this dance. (laughs) I like to use the metaphor of dance, as you could imagine, (laughs) of like, is it the right time yet? You know, mm-hmm. I put my right foot in, I put my right foot <laughs> out, I put my right foot. It's the first dance I learned and shake it all about. So like, is it the right time for me to yeah. step, step forward? And I think that sometimes we get told that we've got to be this crazy hero and plow through and deal with the discomfort. But the beautiful thing is, is that if the path is already there, you could get all of the benefits, all of the healing benefits and not have to go through this same process Process, You know, there's right. still your own unique process. There is that step, you know, but it it doesn't have to be so difficult. Right. <laughs> That's one of the things that I've been learning is like, what if it's just really easy? Like, yeah. what if I could just heal? Like, I don't have to go through this and fight a dragon. And, you know, like there might be a small dragon, you know, it's smaller. I, I have friends to help me if there's a dragon and the friends look at me and it goes, well, I, the dragon looks at me and goes, well, I don't know if I want to attack you because you've got all these friends here. I think I'm just going to go... I'm going to leave the room here with all the gold. You know, here you go. So, uh, but it still takes that. It still takes following that. That that fear might be there, but it might actually not be so terrifying. Right. Hmm.
1: And I think always like our fears are greater than what the reality is ever going to be. Mm -hmm. In our heads, we always make things so giant. And when we actually go through with the thing that our gut is telling us to do, you're so much happier. Even if it was hard or scary, you're so much happier at the end of all of it. You just feel like you did yourself justice, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think people also forget that if they come to and experience this and it's really intense, they could step back. Totally. And go back Mm -hmm. in and step back and stop for a week. We notice that with ecstatic dance, sometimes people come and then, like, it'll bring some stuff up and they'll work through it. And they'll then be gone for a month or two or a year and then come back again. And there's, that's when, you know, deep healing work is happening. And the the fascinating thing is the things that were, uh, I've noticed, it's almost counterintuitive. The places where you would think like, there's not a lot of healing work are the places where like, there's the most freaking healing work. Mm -hmm. And the places where they're, you know, like, oh, you got to struggle through it and, you know, deal with all this stuff and pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It's just perpetuating the same wounding that you've already had. And, uh, You know, a lot of the things that I've had a challenge with is like being with joy, being with ecstasy, being with like feeling exuberant and connected with people. Because the minute you feel that at the same time, you feel the grief for all of the time, a lifetime of not having that. A lifetime of not being able to embody your sensual nature. A lifetime of restricting, in my case, down to like very specific movement patterns in the gym. You know, like bench press and squats and getting it strong. I'd even talk in a specific way. I'd have my body lifted up in a specific way. And it's like, man, I've been my my movement patterns have been just so impoverished. And uh, yeah, there's that joy and then with that joy comes the grief at the same time and i think people say well if it's so joyful why doesn't everybody go it's because the joy brings with it the grief Mm -hmm. you know and uh i don't know if you want to touch on this madeline because when you
2: were talking about the um the kind of masculine pumping up your chest. I was thinking how women have the very same version of it on the female side of tucking in our bellies Mm -hmm. and sticking our chests out and maybe sticking our butt out a little bit and walking in a nice straight line and moving your hips, but not too much. And it's just kind of, we have this kind of linear uh, way we've started moving I think is just like from our culture and media and everything like we've been learned like this is this yeah, is Yeah, what a- do
0: you notice Michelle like yeah. with how women often move I know it's different with different women but are there some commonalities that you see when people are stuck how they're stuck where they're stuck what they're doing and then what is able to unleash it and when it's unleashed what happens
2: hmm.
1: Yeah, I think um what I mostly notice is a lot of women have a hard time moving their pelvis or their hips outside of their body column. Mm. So like when it's underneath them and they're maybe doing like TikTok hips or something, that's a lot easier than pushing their butt out to the back or like pushing it out to the side. Like it's very challenging for them to like get the idea that their lower half of their body can extend past the Mm. column of their body like it's it's Mm -hmm. really interesting and then also with chest movements especially with women who maybe are more well endowed on top like they have a harder time bringing their chest up if we're doing any kind of like lift in the chest for whatever reason that I think it makes them a little self-conscious that they're accentuating that part of their body that is already maybe um, looked at a lot Mm -hmm. By men or maybe they were teased when they were mm-hmm. younger for having a large chest um, or even as an adult you can be bullied for that you know society's mean full of mean mm-hmm. people so <laughs> yeah so any kind of movement really of like parts of your body that contain your sexual organs. Um Outside of the body column, that's what I've noticed mm. is what really about challenging.
2: Relaxing the belly for women with belly dance,
1: also relaxing the belly, like mm-hmm. learning how to contract and relax mm-hmm. um, with twerk. That's something that is really challenging. People don't have a big range of motion in their pelvis. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, especially in forward back movements, um, and I think it's just because we're so used to just keeping it in one position mm-hmm. all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And yeah. you s- you shared something about at every twerk shop you have invariably at least one person has some type of experience when something is happening but i wanted to let you share that something oh, with the stomach I oh was really... no
1: that was in a in belly dance oh workshops. in belly dance okay. yeah um but with the stomach when i teach a, a belly roll workshop where we're really articulating through the different muscles in the front of the body um i've Inevitably, had at least one person have a complete emotional breakdown because they're not used to just allowing their stomach to relax in that way and to roll in that way and to have movement, any kind of movement. Like, we're so used to just being like, stick straight, like, pull it in, suck it in. Suck it up, you, right? Yeah. that's yeah. like the yeah. term. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, having, pull
0: yourself together. Having mm-hmm. that
1: waving motion go through your body and really allowing your guts to spill, you know, that's a very vulnerable thing to have your guts be pushed outside of that safety, um, of your musculature and your skeletal system, like, and have it be protruding. It's, I mean, even animalistically, that's a very, um, vulnerable Vulnerable thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's your life. Mm.
0: Totally. If you see people that are deeply traumatized, oftentimes they're bent, curled Mm. over, and then their tail is tucked and all that is to protect Mm -hmm. those areas. And the minute your physiology is that way, I mean, you could almost tell somebody's whole story. You could create a whole narration around their life, like what their work is like, what their relationships are like, what their thoughts are like, what their dreams are like, what their self-talk is like. And a lot of people keep trying to tackle or like overcome it through the mind, you know, like I'm going to like tell myself this story, I'm going to meditate and breathe in this way. And I say like, you know, meditation's great. And being aware of and conscious of your thoughts is great, but this is all embodied. There's another, use those ways too. It's not one way or the other. There's a plethora of different tools and hell, we need all the fucking tools we can get to heal from the lifetimes and generations of trauma that have led to this body that we're in. I mean, epigenetics, yeah. the study of epigenetics shows that that we have the same genetic expressions as our ancestors. Like we, like ancestry is real and is being carried in our bodies. and science is pointing like, look, these are these are the the genes that are expressing themselves from your ancestors. They're alive yeah. in you. And now we have all of these tools. We're listening to a podcast. We could share these podcasts with people all over the world. We're coming in contact. You're not scared to talk about this anymore, even though you were pretty recently and you're a brave person. But you're able to talk about this without the fear of like being put into jail or being beaten by your parents or killed or sent off to some other country to live with some other person or chained up or, you know, God only knows what else. And now these are all of the modalities that are coming in, like to be able to provide the space and container for us to heal and we could heal rapidly. Right.
2: Hmm. Speaking of all those modalities coming in, uh, maybe we could touch on the kind of cultural soup that you've collected here at your studio and um, What that what that looks like and feels like from all these different cultures from around the world and then being practiced by whoever comes in and What your thoughts are on that?
0: Are you talking about like the different styles like so like some people would say that twerk is like more urban and more of that. And associated with black culture. culture. And And
2: belly dancing may be associated with Middle Eastern, Arabic culture. Yeah, exactly. As a hetero white woman, I definitely
1: have had to be very careful about um, not appropriating the cultures that I'm borrowing from. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to do a lot of research as well as practice uh, because I don't, I definitely don't want to offend anybody Mm -hmm. Um, and I make it very clear when I'm combining things that it is a fusion and that it is not a specific um, stylized version of Arabic dance or whatever like Mm -hmm. it's very much a fusion of things Mm -hmm. like belly dance informs my movement twerk informs Mm -hmm. my movement Mm -hmm. so I'm not saying that I'm doing the most pure form of each of these things Mm. like twerk comes from a west african dance its origins are from a west african dance called mabuka i think that's how you say it Mm -hmm. um and then it actually kind of showed up in new orleans in the bounce music scene in the 1980s Mm. so that's kind of where twerk started Mm. um and so i i definitely am not saying that I am like that an, you're practicing I'm, traditional. I'm, forms no, of these no, yeah. absolutely not. Like I've it's definitely kind of gone through like the hip hop vein. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely a fusion. I inform my twerk practice through belly dance movement. And that's how I really obtained a lot of my pelvic flexibility and range of motion was from belly dance first. So mm-hmm. a lot of people will come to twerk and be like well how did you get your pelvis to move like that i'm like well belly dance first like that Mm -hmm. that's the practice that really started to open up my hips and Mm -hmm. let me have this range of motion and then i kind of took that knowledge and brought it over into my twerk instruction Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like cross genre like a lot of things like if you if you take it from
0: enough cultures (laughs) it's okay (laughs) you know what i mean like it
1: is it's definitely like a a big conglomeration of a bunch of things. Yeah,
0: it's challenging because sure. we're we're all we're all human here, And these mm-hmm. are movement patterns that are not unique to any one culture. Our bodies, if they can do it. And our ancestry all trails back to Africa. At least that's some studies that I don't know like I can't tell real from fake news anymore. I don't even know where <laughs> to go. So, uh but I did see something about that just recently. I've heard that throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. But I, I think trying to really appreciate these different cultures, And like bringing in is like all these different ways to heal, and it's going to be Mm -hmm. every single one of these cultures is going to heal us in a specific, in 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 you know a different way. And I think it's even more beautiful the more we can incorporate. And then even as we incorporate it, new things become alive in us. Like the more different foods you've eaten, probably the more creative you could be with creating food. The more different dance modalities you've danced, the more creative you could be in your dance. And I see with ecstatic dance sometimes. People are limited because they don't learn any other different dance modalities that they, they can then bring in to the way that they dance mm-hmm. ecstatically. So right. you see some people, they're dancing really wild, but like it's like, I could see now that you have this dance same. that you do that looks wild, but it's actually, I could see that same signature pattern in all of your movement. So how do we borrow from these other cultures mm-hmm. to be able to expand our ability to be human and right. appreciate that, that expression of that culture through the way that we're moving, and I, I think it's, I think it's like the biggest honor we could give if we if we mm-hmm. come at it with that intention. If we go like, "Hey, I'm trying to like mimic this culture so I could make money off it," then right, that that's that's the it's issue. Different. We mm-hmm. were just doing the we had an ecstatic dance on Wednesday night, and it was wild because here we are doing a Dia de los Muertos ceremony with the Melendez family, who's passed this through their family for generations. They've done it the last two years they traditionally set up the circle and set up an open and close a ceremony. And so here we are doing a, a, a Mexican ceremony in what used to be Mexico here in the Utah in the mid 1800s in an Indian temple, uh, Krishna temple that is run by a Caucasian man with the priest being two Indians from Mumbai with Madeline participating who lived in India for three years that teaches yoga. So like And then me, uh, someone whose family is from Siberia, that's the first generation here in the United States. So it just felt super unusual to have all of these things going on. But also, Mm -hmm. I think it's very beautiful. And I think, again, it comes Mm -hmm. down to people feeling restricted, me feeling like I could only do something if it's Russian. Or Mm -hmm. what about Siberia? Like shamanism, Siberia. My family's from Siberia. Well, how long were they in Siberia? Like, like, where does it trace back to? Are they were they? Russians in Siberia, and how Siberian? I like how Siberian am I? If like that, if that's the case, so, like, mm. like who do I get permission from to be able to, you know, practice some form of shamanism? Like, like where do I go for that? You know, um, and I feel like a lot of people get they're so compassionate, they really care that they actually become blocked because they right. care so much about what everybody's going to think of them, mm. and that's what that's what maybe kept you from wanting to try the exotic dancing or even share what you did. And that's maybe also what kept you from wanting to post about it. And a lot of times, like if this was a year ago, I wouldn't even feel comfortable having this conversation. I wouldn't even feel comfortable having a podcast because I would for sure say something or I'd say, fuck, you know, oh, you, you cussed, you know, like I put that the podcast is not explicit. So like, is it explicit? It's we said, fuck one time, you know, it's definitely not the intention of it, but like we get caught up in these labels and it's so hard, you know, and people mm-hmm. judge us based on one thing. They see the way you move your pelvis moves when you're walking Slut, whore, whatever the heck it is, right? Yeah. Or they, they see the way I'm moving on the dance floor. Uh, oh, I want to touch on this. Hmm. Uh, is We were at the perengi event in mm-hmm. Boulder, Utah. And I dance really freely, but oftentimes only when I know everybody. And here I am. I took a bunch of cacao, which really opens up your heart. And I knew a lot of the people. And I'm dancing to the perengi set. It's like it's way a lot of people packed in there. And uh, I keep feeling something coming from the behind me. And all of a sudden, this guy grabs my leg and like I almost hit him. like my instant response was like, hit him, but it was like I was so discombobulated, but I grew up in the hood. so like if someone grabs you, hit him and you learn to do that very quickly. It's a fast reaction. And if you don't do it, you end up getting beat up way worse because you become in the hood, they call it bitch made or you you're get called a bitch as a man and it's like the worst thing that could possibly happen. You mix that with the fact you're white and in an area with no white people, it gets even worse, you know you get you mix that with the fact you're sensitive and you might not move in a really aggressive way. It gets continuously worse. But what ended up happening is at the end of the dance, this woman comes up to me, very sweet woman. She goes, hey, I really want to apologize for my boyfriend. You know, him and I had separated a long time ago. We just got back together and he was actually in the workshop. And I feel like he was really like threatened by your fluid movement. It made him feel really uncomfortable in his body. He's a really big guy. He's a really big guy, like six, five probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, huge. The biggest guy in the whole damn place, of course, is the one that grabs my my leg. And, And then I was going through this thing. Should I have hit him? Why didn't I hit him? Why am I such a coward? Why did I let this guy grab my leg? And this is after I've done all of this work. And I was so grateful that like an hour later, the woman came up and shared that with me and was vulnerable about it. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad you shared that. Because mm. I could see where a lot of the times where men are getting attacked or whatever is because somebody else feels uncomfortable to move that way the other person that's frozen in their body got frozen because they were moving in some way and whack don't don't move like that Mm. on the man's side on I think on the women's side it may be more slut shaming or it could be rape or some type of attempted and then boom we learn instantly don't do that that is not safe and it's Mm. really it takes a lot of courage to be able to move through that and work through that Mm. so I wanted to share that story with you and uh, yeah I felt that was an important time, but mm-hmm. I want to give it back to Michelle. If you had anything, we're getting the time's up thing happening here. <laughs> we have five minute countdown. If There's anything you wanted to share about your studio or about your work or an invitation to those listening to this podcast. how I, could
1: I definitely would like to invite anyone there. Women and men are welcome at my studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a few men who attend my classes and they love it. And it doesn't matter, like, what your sexual preference is. I don't care. Like, if you want to come and get in touch with your sensuality as a man or a woman, you are welcome to attend my studio. Um, I also would just like to give a shout out to some other dance teachers in the area, um, particularly Naisha Hamill, who does teach the dance hall class at Millennium. Mm. It's super important to be supporting the people of color in our dance community especially if we are borrowing from their cultures um mm. and she's fabulous she's a fabulous jamaican beauty and mm. please go take her class mm. if you're interested in twerk it's a little bit less twerk um jamaican dance hall is where i really got inspired to work on my twerk more and there is twerk in it but it is not specifically twerk mm-hmm. um so maybe if you're f- afraid to like really get like deep into the twerk stuff try dance hall out first and then maybe come take a twerk class because it'll kind of give you a little intro to it um what's the name of your studio oh my studio is the velveteen serpent and we're based in bountiful utah so
0: yeah and then uh i think what might be interesting is to have some type of fusion class before we do different dance classes before ecstatic dance and we could talk about that potentially having some type of dance class before to expand people's movement in more of this, you know, inviting in the sensual into dance. Cause I feel like that happens at Madeline's, Madeline, do you want to announce your women's dance?
2: Oh, there's a women's dance every last Friday of the month at the Christian temple where we host our regular twice weekly ecstatic dance. And that's been really amazing to see how much more sensual and sexual women feel they can be in that space when there's not men there and Mm -hmm. we've kind of set that safe container um not to say that there's anything wrong with there being men there it's just there's there's kind of a a a freezing that can happen within the hips I've even noticed in myself um when I'm around all women it kind of loosens up in a way and I again I think this kind of shines the light back onto the healing power of dance in whatever space you get it in, whether it's in a class with Michelle or whoever that is or
0: in in a static
2: dance space or in your living room, um, to realize there's so much more stored in our body in terms of thought patterns and beliefs about ourselves than just our muscular structure. So we can really just receive so much from whatever dance we find ourselves in.
0: We'll even post in the comment section one of your ecstatic dance journeys, and somebody could just listen to the music in their living room or their, their you know, bedroom or bathroom, wherever wherever you have where nobody else could be there and see you, and you could just move however you feel fit. And we hope you come out to And the we classes, hope you come out to the to classes Michelle, or the dances and toys. all of that too, but if you want to try that, maybe it's the first step, Yeah. and you could really maybe have some type of experience as a man moving through it, you might have some of those experiences where you're like, whoa, like... I have told myself that I cannot move in that way. And I I remember very- Women too. Very peak moments of my Mm -hmm. life where it's like, don't run like that. You're running like a fairy or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, like I can't move in this way. Okay, how could, and as a kid we're constantly navigating that. Um, And then it becomes, you know, our kid is alive inside of our body and oftentimes frozen in fear in the hips or whatever other part of our body yeah thank you michelle for coming out thank you madeline for helping co-facilitate co- this and uh, thank you daniel for all the audio thank you so much for listening and please follow us to hear future episodes where we discuss topics such as alternative states of consciousness achieved through dance intention and shamanic practices sacred economics dream work trauma healing Building community, permaculture, healthy and compassionate living and eating practices, somatic and alternative healing modalities, politics, psychology, mythology, and more. Our work is focused on the liberation of spirit, a return to the sacred, which is a constant collective inquiry. We aim both in person and on this podcast to plant and water the seeds of liberation from economic inequality, trauma, systemic conditioning addiction, loss of soul, loss of meaning, hopelessness, helplessness, isolation, shame, nightmares, guilt, and a return to glimpses of your birthright, of dignity, joy, community, collaboration, equality, and constantly beautifying new world where you are not alone. And always, if you're ever in the Salt Lake City area, come join us for yoga, dance, or in the garden. A community of beautiful souls are here to welcome you. We gather in community Wednesday 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. and Sunday 11 to 3 p.m. and we have a vegan brunch or vegan dinner after every event. Our gatherings are all ages and are of no religious affiliation. We look forward to seeing you.